Today we'll be discussing the late music superstar Tina Turner, and we'll be discussing hypertension. This is Doctor vs. Comedian. I'm Dr. Asif Doja, and this is the Doctor of Laughs. Uh, not a real doctor. Ali Hassan. Every episode, I pick a topic for Ali from comedy and entertainment, and I question him about it. Then Ali picks a topic from medicine and health and grills me on that topic. Today, we'll go over the career of the great Tina Turner, who passed away recently, and we'll be discussing hypertension, which Tina suffered from. Ali, let's get right into it. Let's get into it, bud. The, of course, the world and you and I, along with the world, huh? We're part of the world, mm-hmm. mourns the loss of the late great, and she was indeed great, Tina Turner. But I think one of the greatest things about this past week or two has been that people get to discover who she was. I think sometimes with somebody this great, you just take them for granted. Mm-hmm. They're just part of your life. They're part of your upbringing, and you forget about what their life was. So I think a lot of people have been either discovering for the first time or rediscovering how she got into music, who she was, what kind of a badass she was, why she's so respected. And for those of you who haven't, I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. I actually didn't know about her health issues. I might have, but I, maybe because of my love for Tina Turner, I just put it out of my mind Mm -hmm. and did a little, she'll be fine. Yeah. So I didn't really know about her health issues either. I was looking up some stuff and they just said, you know, she died, I think of natural causes. And you call yourself a doctor. This is where and then I found out so much stuff. So maybe we'll get to that at the end of this section, but let's talk a bit about Tina Turner and her background. Her name is not Tina. Did you know that? I did not know that either. That's one of the first things I'm embarrassed about. I didn't know She's that so because people are like her name is not Tina Turner. I'm like, I know it's Queen of Rock and Roll, yeah. and people are like, no, no, she had a real name. Yeah. Anna yep. Mae Bullock, born in Knoxville, Tennessee, grew up around that area, moved around a lot. Her biography and reading about you know kind of the issues she had in her early life with her family and you know witnessed domestic violence in the household, but. Eventually, she grew up, she she worked as a domestic worker, she worked as a nurse's aide, and eventually moved to St. Louis, because her and her sister were living there and and working, and she would go to nightclubs, and that's when she first saw Ike Turner perform with his band, The Kings of Rhythm, and she's like, was amazed by, you know, his stage presence, and, and I guess the story is she asked Ike if she could sing on stage, and he said, yeah, yeah, I'll give you a call, and I'll let you know, and, and he never did. And then one day, I guess, during an intermission, she took the microphone just when the band was on intermission and started singing B.B. King blues song. And then Turner said, wow, that's amazing. Do you know any more songs? And so she sang the rest of the night with them. And that's basically how it started, just her boldness. I had heard that somebody didn't show up. Yeah, that's not that's what that's I not, heard. That's not somebody. What I, that's not what I that's heard. That's not what you got, that's eh? Well, uh, you know, People Magazine has never lied to me before, us. Well, uh, I don't know if it was People Magazine, but I just was consuming everything I could. And I always think about, like, sometimes we owe somebody we don't know a great debt, whoever that lady was who didn't show up. And Tina was able to be like, I will 
rise to the occasion and sing in her place. And that's how it was like, Ike finally was like, okay, I'll give you a chance. You do have a great voice. So I didn't actually know that Ike gave her the name Tina. It was his creation because he wanted her stage presence to be like Sheena, which was like Sheena, queen of the jungle, you know, that kind of like mm-hmm. jungle ferocious woman, you know, exuding power for that stage presence. But he also added Turner to her last name. Again, I thought, oh, that was after they got married, right? Obviously. That's, yeah. But no, it's he added that before that because he wanted to have that kind of like as a trademark. So if she left the band, he could say, yeah, we have another Tina Turner. Is that hilarious? So, I mean. Well, hilarious, but also speaks about the lunacy of like turn controlling nature obviously yeah. and and you know he created this ike and tina turner review and mm-hmm. they would go around with his band the kings of rhythm and a couple other groups and they would go and do reviews across the united states and he did this chitlin circuit right which Ali, you know about you teach about that in your classes right? sure i teach about the comedy elements of it but in fact the musical elements of the chitlin circuit are far more impressive any black musician who you have heard of, you know, prior to the 1970s, anyone that you've heard of who's, you know, sort of worth their weight and who has a foundational impact on music has come through the Chitlinks or whether it's it's Fats Domino or B.B. King Mm -hmm. or Aretha Franklin, that was their circuit. They were not allowed in white rooms and that's why the Chitlin circuit started and that's where these guys got a lot of stage time and a lot of respect. And then I think it was Somebody who valued money over racism was finally like, hey, there's a lot of talented musicians mm-hmm. here and, and sort of started, you know, bringing mm-hmm, them into the... Mm-hmm. Well, then, of course, because then their big break was Phil Spector basically heard them. And Phil Spector, you know, famous producer of the Wall of Sound, but perhaps more infamous person. Infamous. Uh, but any, nevertheless, he decided to produce them. And then in the late 60s and early 70s, they kind of were phasing out their R&B repertoire and was going into covers. So they did covers of Come Together, Honky Tonk Woman, Get Back. So we're talking Beatles, Rolling Stones covers. And then, of course, their big, huge hit, 1971, Ali, it was... Proud Mary? Proud Mary. Keep on. Is it burning or turning? I don't know. I don't know. It's both. That's my karaoke song, buddy. Is it? It is. Oh, boy. And I'm sure you do it. The city. You you don't do the CCR version. You do the. No, I do Tina and Ike, and I sing both parts. And I even, I make my arms go like a locomotive train. No. Excellent. Anyway, amazing song. I mean, that, I mean, people know both versions, but really their version is, I think, the more iconic one. It's so soulful. It's so soulful. It's really like, I thought CCR did a great job, but man, that song. If you haven't listened to that song in a while, go listen to the original version. Yeah, but you don't mean original. You mean their cover, right? Because Cover, yeah, cover, so, okay. cover. So, but you're right. Covering up all of their covering. You see what I did there? Covering up all of their, or kind of getting past all the domestic issues, right? Because now we're talking the 70s. Ike is addicted to cocaine. And obviously this hindered his relationship with Tina Turner. They are married at this time. And of course, you know, a lot of the stuff is dramatized in the movie, What's Love Got to Do With It? We know that movie, Angela Bassett, Lawrence Fishburne, amazing movie. But 1976, they got a physical altercation en route to a hotel. And basically that's when Tina Turner left, right? Like just left. And literally she had almost nothing to her name when she 
took off, right? Very brave yeah. move. Yeah, yeah, I think. I, yeah, it was it was like pennies. It yeah. was like less than a dollar. Yeah, yeah. thirty six cents and a mobile. Yeah, mobile gas card. Yeah, exactly. And then she hid at another hotel across the freeway. Then very quickly got divorced, which was finalized in like 1978. And then now she is on her own Mm. in the early 80s. And is that, when did you kind of first get exposed to Tina? I think that would probably be it. Like early, early 80s would be when I first heard her. But you have no idea that she... When you when we first heard of her, we knew nothing about totally, Ike. Totally, totally. We knew nothing. She was a mother of four. I was yeah. like, what the? Totally, I have no idea totally. about that. And in fact, she, I guess, in the early 80s, before like 83, 84, she was considered a nostalgia act. Like people wanted to just hear her stuff from the Ike and Tina Turner review. Yeah, play those covers. Yeah, okay, that's it. So it was almost like people had written her off in the early 80s. And then we got, in 84... Private dancer? Private dancer. Oh, yeah. I mean, dancer for money. (laughs) Uh, Don't don't let me stop you. (laughs) I let her her listen to you stop you by turning off the. I will stop myself before anyone has to. Reached number three in the Billboard 200, number two in the UK, five times platinum, sold 10 million copies worldwide. I mean, it's hard, again, we always talk about this. If you weren't living at the time, you don't know how big Tina Turner was in the 80s. Mm-hmm. It was Michael Jackson, then basically Tina Turner, maybe Madonna coming up. You know, it was, we're talking about like 83, 84. Madonna's still coming up, but that's it. Those are the people, right? And Prince, yeah. I guess, maybe. But it was so huge. And then... We have all the hits from that one. What's Love Got to Do with It, Private Dancer. And then in 85, she, do you remember she was in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome? Oh, yeah. Playing those, Auntie Entity, body, the ruler of Town. That was so great. And I think, I was thinking about this the other day. I'll get your favorite in a second. But I think that she had two songs in that film, We Don't Need Another Hero and One of the Living. I love those songs. I don't remember one of the. Oh, I think I don't think we don't need another hero. Is my favorite song by Tina Turner. Almost, almost. I'll get to that in a second. But I love that song so much, and you know that was a huge, huge hits in the eighties and then early nineties. We remember her doing "Golden Eye," the theme to "Golden Eye," written incidentally by Edge and Bono of U two. I did not know. That. Okay, I was doing some research for this. Interestingly. Ike and Tina Turner were inducted into the 91, 1991 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame class. Tina Turner did not attend for various reasons. I think, you know, she I think she was out of the country and just kind of like wasn't in the space to deal with that induction. Ike Turner was in jail at the time. You can mm. read his Wikipedia page for the list of many things. I couldn't even figure out when he was incarcerated for that because he has so many criminal offenses. Anyway, he has yeah, many, a lot of a lot of brutality surrounding yeah. Her life, a lot of drug abuse, a lot of sadness, even, you know, as I include her kids in that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think at partner. least two of her children have died. One of kids. Well, one, so, so 2018 is when one of her sons took his own life, yeah. Craig Turner. Yeah. And he was like 58 years old. And I remember being like, what the, how old is Tina Turner? Yeah, Cause yeah. she's just this ageless figure, yeah. right? When you grow up with someone and then she didn't, from my knowledge, or at least from what I saw, I never saw her continue to perform in the last decade. So for me, it's still eighties and nineties, mm-hmm, Tina Turner mm-hmm, in my mind. Mm-hmm. She'd had a whole career before we got to exactly. know her as kids in the eighties. Exactly. We don't even realize, you know, you only know what you know and you hold that all dear. But I remember 
she spread the ashes of her son, Craig. He was 58 years old. And I remember hearing that and going, Holt, what is... Time is quite the mm. yeah because she was relatively devil, ageless, right? And yeah, and by the way, I think another one of her sons died of cancer several years ago as well. So yeah, so definitely a difficult life. But you know, if we talk about as you were saying, like when she stopped touring, I think her fiftieth anniversary tour was in like two thousand nine or so. Didn't mm. really perform a lot after that. But interestingly, in in twenty ten, I guess there was a British football club, the Rangers, and. They had this online campaign. I guess they were using the song The Best a lot. So it went back up the UK singles chart and peaked at number nine. So and when you say the best, do you mean simply the best? I do. Simply the best. And then wasn't that a car theme? I, I think well? it was, was using it? a lot of commercial. Yeah. I thought it was like a pop, like a soda pop, but I'm not sure. I mean, oh. it was just it was just used so ubiquitously. Yeah. It, that, by the way, when it went back up the UK chart, she was the first female recording artist in UK history to score top 40 hits in six consecutive decades. I mean, probably we'll say first and only person who will ever, ever do that. Like unless like Adele is like, you know, putting out stuff in her in her 80s, right? Like how is it yeah. going to be matched, right? She was eventually inducted into the actual Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a solo artist in October 2021. And listen, I... Yeah, I mean, which she totally deserves. I do want to talk a bit about the movie, What's Love Got to Do With It? Because I didn't realize this, but if you look at some of these pieces about Tina Turner's death, she didn't love the movie. Interestingly, mm. she loved Angela Bassett. I think she she thinks that Angela Bassett didn't imitate her, her being Tina Turner, but she yeah. embodied who Tina Turner was. Certainly, this is what launched Angela Bassett's career and Lawrence Fishburne's to a certain extent as well. But uh, she didn't love it. She thought she was portrayed as more of a victim than Tina felt she was in real life. Yeah, it's interesting because she had a memoir in 2018, My Love Story, Tina Turner. But when you read the descriptions about that book, I haven't read the memoir, the word brutality continuously comes up. And she talks about the impression it left on her children who heard their endless fighting. They were also scarred in different ways by Ike's behavior. So it's, I don't know, it's, I can't help but wonder, I know nothing, but I can't help but wonder if Tina sort of came around. She might've been, when that movie came out, which was quite a while before 2018, she might've had a different perspective. She was trying to, you know, and I say this also because, you know, her and kids hadn't had any connection when she moved away from the US. She moved to Europe and mm -hmm. one of her kids said, I haven't talked to her in at least a decade. She's living her own life. She wants no connection with her past. So maybe as she's trying to move on, what's love got to do with it takes her back and she right. wasn't willing to recognize right. something. But I think in her memoir, based on the various descriptions of what the memoir is about, it feels like she did come to terms with exactly how badly she was I mean, mistreated. yeah, it's interesting. There's, a, I guess, a 2018 interview with Oprah where Tina Turner said that she watched the film only recently, and she's like, oh. she said the details changed a bit, so she didn't really like that. And, you know, there's a difference between acknowledging 
the espousal abuse and brutality inflicted on you and then perceiving yourself as a victim or perceiving yourself portrayed as a victim, right? And again, like, yeah. again, I don't know because we haven't lived her life, right? And certainly, so we can't really say that, but it, it's interesting. But all this to say, I don't know if she loved the film, but I don't think she takes anything away from Angela Bassett. If you've seen Angela Bassett interviewed about Tina Turner's death, like they had a very good relationship, I think. So I don't want to kind of denigrate, especially Angela Bassett and her performance. But I think there is some conflict feelings about the film how about let's say that but as you said she became a swiss citizen in 2013 and relinquished u.s citizenship so really she had kind of moved away to europe and kind of not really been involved with north america as much maybe now we'll just talk a bit about her medical issues and then we'll swing back to that again for the second half of the episode but i didn't really realize this because when tina turner died a lot of people reached out to us for the podcast and said can you do an episode on tina turner i said yeah i just don't really know what medical issue we could kind of pair with that so let me do a bit of research and then you read it's like oh my god so she i guess we could actually do a full episode Many times yeah. over on her, unfortunately, her many health issues. Yeah, so let's go through it. Turns it out. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. So she had high blood pressure, so hypertension. That's what we're going to talk about in her second half. Since mm. 1978, and let's just say it right here because it's very important, black people have a higher incidence of hypertension. And it's a major silent killer in the black population. And so she's had it for a long time. It was mostly untreated. So this led to damage to her kidneys and kidney failure. And in 2013, she married Erwin Bach, who I believe was a a record executive. And Mm -hmm. she had a stroke right afterwards, probably secondary to hypertension, which we'll talk about. 2016, diagnosed with intestinal cancer. That would be separate from the hypertension. And then she needed a kidney transplant. They said it was very unlikely that she would get a transplant or be successful. So they said, you should start dialysis for your kidney failure. Again, that's a whole other topic we can talk about. But then I guess she thought, well, this may be the end. So she started participating and signing up with an organization called Exit International in Europe, which facilitates assisted suicide. So that's where things were going. And then eventually her husband offered to donate a kidney for transplant, and she had a kidney transplant in April 2017. So a lot of stuff to unpack there with a lot of these medical issues. And then again, I think her recent death was because of further complications from all these things. Interestingly, we can talk for a minute about this. She apparently was a big believer in homeopathy, right? So homeopathy is one of these alternative or some say complementary medicine practices where it's like you give a small some amount. some say some say you would not say complementary no i, I wouldn't i would say alternative because like listen again we'll do many episodes in the future about different complementary alternative medicine practices and some of them there is some scientific evidence for you know acupuncture maybe one of them to talk about that there is some evidence for certain conditions but homeopathy is complete garbage i don't feel at all uncomfortable or bad about saying it it's the equivalent of snake oil salesmen and the people who practice that are just milking people out of their money and giving them false hope so i i have like i said i have zero zero reservations about saying that statement are there homeopathy schools just on a side note are there schools that train homeopaths i don't know and because those are the real criminals exactly exactly so i think again again we could talk about other kinds of practitioners in the future and i think there is a lot more nuance for some of these but not for homeopathy i think it's good 
Okay, but let's anyway. uh, we'll we'll dive into it further in an and, episode. And, and the reason why is you know could that belief in that and then not believing in other more you know conventional forms of medicine does that hasten your death, hasten your kidney failure? I don't know. Anyway, we we'll put a pin in that and. Maybe, Ali, let's just talk about, like, what do you think her legacy is? What are your favorite kind of Tina Turner songs, moments, etc.? Yeah, I think, you know, unfortunately, part of her legacy that she herself was trying to escape, obviously, is the domestic abuse. I think that's unfortunately, once you learn that, you can't unlearn it. You go into a bit of a deep dive on Ike Turner and that's, but I don't see that as such a bad thing because, Part and parcel of domestic abuse is her own bravery, sort of escaping that. And the bravery comes in, you have no money, you have no you sort of you know, name of your own, you have four children. How do you do this? How do you actually literally do that? Where do you go? And, and you know, when you read about it, she's hiding out in a motel, had to change motels. Like you have to do some stuff. It's borderline impossible today. You know, when you need to put your credit card down and stuff, she probably had to go to some pretty shady places, make some calls to people and really ask for, you know, beg for their help and this kind of stuff. So it also shows, you know, it's very, very impressive as well, what she was able to do despite her upbringing. And you mentioned her youth as well was not particularly positive. And then you, her kids, when they talk about growing up with Tina Turner, she ran a tight ship. She mm-hmm. wanted to raise four decent men. She took on children who were not you know, her own by birth, mm-hmm. but treated them all like her own. So I think that is a big part of her, her legacy too, who she was at home and what her home life helped her create. And people have to realize that, again, you have to go back in time. You know, this idea of domestic abuse being dramatized in a movie did not really happen that much, right? And then not just in a movie, but to be dramatized for someone who is a famous rock star, right? She was world, world famous by the time the movie came out, right? And so to see that this could happen to anybody, even someone who has money and stature, I think is an important thing. I think, again, it's easy to say because the movie is like 30 years old that we forget about that, but it was quite groundbreaking for the time. Sure. What about your favorite song from uh, Tina Turner? You know, I'm going to pick from two different eras completely. There's, they had a duet, a hit single, Ike and Tina called A Fool in Love. Mm-hmm. I, I really like that mm-hmm. song. You know, I think that even that was one of the first things yeah. that put them on the map. Yeah. But I, I do like a lot of songs from that era. Sometimes it's like a real escape and it's, you know, like the, the doo-wop stuff. But this song... It goes above and beyond that. And like, as I said, when they sing, you feel some sort of real passion. Like you'd be very disappointed if you found out these two are like complete strangers singing like that. When you hear them sing, you're like, oh, this is a couple. These mm-hmm, people have mm-hmm, like love and mm-hmm. passion and fire between them. So I love that song. And then I think you know, it's so weird because it's from the Mad Max soundtrack. And I felt it was... It was so weird on Mad Max. The song felt out of mm-hmm. place, but I really did like We Don't Need Another Hero. I loved the passion that she would bring to that song, clenching her fist yeah. right, like right in front of her chest and like belting it out with that that rasp. And I mean, I yeah, that song is... What's Love Got to Do With It Also, I think was also... No, you know what? I'm going to go with We Don't Need Another Hero. That's yeah. my that's probably my top song. Yeah, yeah, like I said, it is kind of my top song too. Just the idea of that, her and the chain mail. I mean, 
that song I think was probably bigger than Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. I'd have to, yeah, I'd have to yeah. rewatch that movie. I'm not sure if it was good. It might have been good, but like Master Blaster, remember those guys? Like the little guy on top of the big guy. Anyway, there, there's a lot of fun stuff in that movie. I'm not sure it holds up. I don't know if it holds up. I remember as a young person watching it and just being like, is this what the world could become one day? Like, I, I think the fear and the thrill and the, all these, like, collection of weirdos that were in this movie, I think I really like that, and we'd never seen anything like it. Mm-hmm. But I, at this point, I yeah. don't. I think my, my children would probably walk away with from it in a minute five. Yeah, definitely people can let us know what they think about Beyond Thunderdome. But I'll tell you the other song that I love, 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 and it's because she's in it, is Bride Adams' It's Only Love. Right? Yeah. Because Yeah, they complemented each other really well. So actually. well. And I remember, yeah. so you gotta again, you gotta go back in time, right? Tina Turner was huge. Bride Adam is now coming up. Canadian guy, getting a lot of huge success nationally and internationally. But to me, I'm like, yeah, whatever. He's fine. I like some of his songs. They're pretty good. Mm. And then that song came out. It's such a great song. And yeah, it becomes a, like a stratospheric amazing song as soon as tina turner comes into that song it's so good and i'm like that's what to me put brian adams on the map I'm like this guy made it right his big album reckless he gets tina turner to guest on this album and on this song amazing so that's still my favorite and then i've seen brian adams in concert and the song is not the same without Tina Turner. Yeah, for sure. No, I bet it. So, uh, bet so it that, that again, indirectly, because it brings back, it, it brought up Brian Adams to the next level. He leveled up, as we say in the video game business with that song. Do we? Do we say that? One more suggestion just for people to listen to. They did a cover of Otis Redding's I've Been Loving You Too Long, like and Tina did. It's really good. I actually love Otis Redding's version as well. It's a beautiful, soulful song, but their cover is excellent as well. Look up, I've been loving you too long. Okay, so we're going to talk about some issues. So hypertension, first of all, first question from, you know, everyday Joe is, is it the same thing as high blood pressure? Is it just a fancy word? It is that correct. Yes. Those two terms are are synonymous. Exactly. How much of it is hereditary? I also want, because that's a huge issue. And I'll tell you why this is an interesting topic for me personally. You know, as South Asians, we've talked about this many times. We are very much predisposed to diabetes and heart disease. And you would think high blood pressure as well, but then it often comes up this sort of argument with with the layperson about like it's hereditary. And I have to wonder sometimes, like, I, I feel like I get high blood pressure just from like, you know, I don't know, the garbage wasn't taken out like it was supposed to. And I feel my blood pressure raise. And then I go to the yeah. doctor and my blood pressure has been fine yeah. for 50 years. And I don't understand how that's even possible. So I also want to know the factors and when you should start being more concerned about it. What do you do if you are predisposed to it? So first of all, yeah, let's start with what is hypertension? Yeah. So as you said, it's high blood pressure. That's basically what it is. What causes it is complicated and we don't quite know as, as usual, Ali. And it's probably an interaction between both things, your environment and your genes. But there's no genetic test we can do to say, oh, you're at risk of hypertension. 
Sir, but this blood pressure is high because there is some sort of blockage or thin uh, you know, plaque in the arteries, no, or is that not, not what we're necessarily? There's different things that happen. There's basically it's increased resistance of your arteries, right? So when you can imagine if you have increased resistance, like you have a, a pipe and then there's increased resistance, that makes it difficult, say, for like water to flow through, right? Of course. So I guess what causes that resistance? So, yes, is exactly. So we don't know. You know, it's not necessarily a vasoconstriction or constriction of the blood vessels, though that can play a part. It can be what we call a decreased elastance. So the elasticity of blood vessels is affected. And so that can also play a role, but it's a bit more complicated than that because we think of blood pressure, we think, okay, heart, blood pressure, right? So you think a cardiologist, but in fact, the people who are, cardiologists are experts in blood pressure, but the other people who are experts are the nephrologists, the kidney doctors, because your kidneys, we think, oh, just filters out stuff, produces urine. Yeah, there we go. But your kidneys play a, a very, very important role in blood pressure maintenance and regulation. So kidneys are involved in two ways. One, kidneys, if you have kidney problems, that can predispose you to high blood pressure. But the opposite is also true. High blood pressure can predispose you to kidney problems, as we saw with Tina Turner. So both of those things occur. We do know in terms of genetics that it is more likely in certain groups. So if you're First Nations Aboriginal, South Asian, or Black, you have an increased risk. But we also know there's other factors because people with low socioeconomic status are also at greater risk, right? So it's a combination of these things, genetic and environment. We'll talk about foods in a second because that's a big thing to keep in mind if you're predisposed. And how common is, you just said that it's higher in certain communities, but how prevalent is it in society? Yeah, how common overall, is it in yeah. So for example, in the US, it's the most common diagnosis that people have medical diagnosis. It affects 86 million adults in the US and 7.5 million Canadians. It's a major risk factor for many other things. So stroke, heart attack, kidney disease, as we talked about, a blindness, it can cause blindness. So this is really a silent killer because if your blood pressure goes super high, we can call that like a hypertensive crisis or hypertensive emergency. You may get lightheadedness, headache, vision problems, you know, in the very immediate term, but that's not mm. the way it happens. Usually people's blood pressure increases slowly, insidiously, and then you end up with all these problems afterwards and sometimes without even realizing what's going on. So that that is kind of the issue. It causes 19% of all deaths globally and 7% oh. of all disability. And of course, it increases as, as you get old, right? So the older you get, the more likely that you'll have it. Sure. My doctor, by the way, just going to throw this out there for listeners, a, a doctor that I went to visit said to me, you know, as you're entering your 50s, you should have a blood pressure machine at home. And I was like, oh yeah, but I'm, I'm I don't actually have high blood pressure. It's never been a concern. He's like, that's for now, you know? And I think what he said, which I loved was like, we will spend so much money on, you know, cosmetic things, clothing and car, and you'll go, you know, the mechanic, this and that. He goes, this is your own body. Mm -hmm. This is yourself. This is like the inside of you, what, you know, and he said, you get a good quality, high blood pressure machine, one that speaks to your phone. It has mm -hmm. the, the technology in there. And it should become something that's just a routine as you're into your 50s, few days a week, just your blood pressure. Or I, I think he even said daily. Mm. 
because it's something you want to be on top of. He's like, we literally pay more attention to our fantasy football leagues and stuff like this than we do to our own things happening in our own body. So that was just thrown to me recently. So I thought I'd add that for anybody. That's great. And you know, well, let's talk about that now. Let's talk about what it actually means. Right. So basically there's different guidelines that have come about over time, but basically we want to look at the blood pressure. The blood pressure is a measurement, right? And we usually have two numbers. So we'll say this number over this number. The top one is called Mm -hmm. the systolic blood pressure. The bottom is called the diastolic blood pressure. So you can be considered to have elevated blood pressure if the top number is between 120 and 129. And we call that the units are millimeters of mercury because that's what we use when we use the blood pressure machine. So 120 is the top end of a healthy blood pressure of uh, systolic. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so above that, 120, 129, you're in the elevated range and diastolic pressure less than 80, okay? So Mm. yeah, 120 over 80, we say you need to be below that, right? Otherwise, if you're above that, then you have an elevated blood pressure, definitely needs to be below. But not too below, otherwise you enter a low blood pressure situation. Yeah, which you can cause lightheadedness, but you know, I would say your systolic, you know, if it's below 100, then maybe you'd kind of get into (laughs) lightheadedness. Anything between 100 and 120, I I doubt you get that problem. Stage one hypertension then is a systolic pressure uh, between 130 to 139, so the top number, and the bottom number 80 to 89. And then you can have worsening hypertension after that. So this is the numbers that you have to keep track of. By the way, I thought people would be interested. Now, as you said, a lot of people use blood pressure machines, but you probably have had your blood pressure done the classic way by your doctor, right? Where they- Oh, I thought the classic way was sit in a pharmacy while you're waiting for your mother to get her medication and you go, oh, let's try that thing. Sure. I know. You know what? They seem to not be working in 90% of the pharmacies I go to. This is a pandemic change. Oh, they would just, they stopped doing that because they want people- They just stopped caring. They're like, I don't think everybody wants to put their own limbs in some shared uh, device. Good point. So again, maybe this is a reason to get your own. Again, like again, we all have adults in our families usually, our parents and perhaps grandparents, and then if your kids are getting older, right, it it makes sense. Now, kids, I'll just mention this right now. You have to use a special blood pressure cuff for different sizes of kids. You can't use an adult one on, say, like a toddler. And normal blood pressure depends on the age and the height of a child. So we need to factor all those things in. So, you know, once you're like a teenager, it's pretty much the same as an adult, an older teenager, but younger kids, we have to factor that in. So just so you guys know, we use our own ways of kind of detailing what's normal in pediatrics. An interesting point related to this that I might be making, I'm not sure if it's interesting, but when you go to the doctor, I don't know if this is true for you, but would you take three different readings typically and, and do an average of the That's three? That's what you're supposed to do over time. And it's by spacing those out over multiple visits is better. A single reading okay. is not correct. That's very, very, very true, Ali. And there's ways to do it. You need to be relaxed, not need to be tense, you know, when, right. when you're getting it done. On that note, having a machine at home might give you a more exactly. accurate reading, exactly. right? There's no stress about parking in the clinic and then rushing to get there and then oh i'm at the doctor i hope he doesn't find out anything other bad things about me or yeah she there's a phenomenon called white coat hypertension because a lot of doctors go <laughs> white coats where it goes up because of the it. situation so you know whether you treat that or not is an interesting discussion over the years people i think still say well you should still look into that as being a problem you know if you're getting hypertension mm. in certain situations well, one thing is you should look at how you control your own stress. Well, that's uh, for sure. That's Absolutely. Fun. And so another way to look into that is you can get what's called a 24-hour 
reading, right? So you go to see the doctor, they hook you up to a blood pressure cuff and you take it home with you and it regularly cycles and checks your blood pressure throughout 24 hours, including when you're sleeping. And then mm. gives you a graph of how that looks and, and how your blood pressure changes over time. So that's that's probably the most accurate way of, of checking blood pressure. And so, you know, your doctor, if they're worried about hypertension, will screen you. They'll ask you some, some questions, but a lot of time it will just be examining you, doing your blood pressure. And as well, doing an ECG, like uh, looking at your heart as well, because you can imagine you can start to get strain on your heart. If you're trying to push blood through a more constricted or less pliable, you know, artery, then mm. that's going to, you know, backfill and damage, right? As you're trying to do that, your heart's going to have to work faster. But anyway, I was going to say the blood pressure, basically the way we take it is, you know, we inflate that little thing with the little bulb, right, on your arm, and then a little dial goes, and then they take their stethoscope, and then they listen, right? And so we're listening for sounds. So what you do is you, I thought people might be interested in this, you, you inflate the cuff up pretty high, higher than, you know, you would suspect that most people's blood pressure sure. get so tight on your arm. Yeah, it always goes to the point where I'm like, are you a real doctor? Yeah, that's right. Why like is I my... start losing faith. Yeah. Why is my hand turning colors? Yeah. yeah, so you have to do it actually quite high so you don't miss someone who has very high blood pressure. So you do it above that, that level and then you let it come down. And then there's these things called Kortikoff sounds. And so the first sound when you hear it is, is what the systolic blood pressure is and when the sound is barely audible or disappears is when the, is the diastolic blood pressure been a bit of controversy if you should do the when the sound is barely audible or when it disappears completely but essentially it will just say when it disappears completely so that's the second sound so that's how you get the numbers so the first number is when you first hear the sound and the second number is when you when it goes away completely so that's how you get the blood pressure isn't that interesting Borderline. So, <laughs> no, of course it is. So, the other thing your doctor might do is they might do some blood tests to see whether you have any things that may cause high blood pressure in your blood or if you have the beginnings of end organ damage from blood pressure. Okay. So, such as what are we talking about here? Good question. You know, we said it, it's a big killer, it's a silent killer because it causes other things. So, what can it cause? It can cause stroke. So, either a ischemic stroke, which is a lack of blood flow, or a hemorrhagic stroke, which is bleeding in your brain. Very common to cause mm. these problems. The American Heart Association has noted that individuals whose blood pressure is less than 120 over 80 have 50% of the lifetime stroke risk than someone who has hypertension does. So it really decreases your risk of having stroke. Similarly, with heart disease, you have a much higher incidence of heart failure or heart attacks if you have high blood pressure. But we talked about as well with Tina Turner, the high blood pressure harms the blood vessels of the kidneys because, again, you're trying to now pump a lot of blood through these blood vessels. You can get damage because of the high blood pressure to the, all the tiny blood vessels that are in the kidneys. And then you don't filter your blood well, and that can result in kidney failure. And then eventually you might need dialysis or a kidney transplant. I do find that interesting in all the years of hearing about various health and reading about it, you know, from not studying it, but, you know, as a lay person would, I've never heard about that connection between kidneys and hypertension. And then it can get into a vicious cycle because I said before, their kidneys help to regulate blood pressure. So now if they're damaged, your blood pressure might mm -hmm. go even higher and then the cycle continues. So really important. And then the other one that people, well, two things that people care about, one is vision right? And it can harm your eyesight because again, 
our eyes have these tiny blood vessels and then the ongoing high blood pressure can damage the blood vessels and cause something called retinopathy. Another one that people get concerned about is it can, again, we have blood vessels everywhere, including in our pelvic region. So erectile dysfunction can, can occur as a consequence of high blood pressure. So it's really these consequences to our other organs. And like I said, your yeah. family doctor, when they see you and screen for high blood pressure, will ask you a bunch of questions about this and then may do some blood tests, especially kidney tests, to see whether there's any kidney dysfunction, right? On a side note, but related, I think we should do an episode on erectile dysfunction. Yeah, yeah. I remember hearing a, a doctor, he was a surgeon general of, of, I think it was Illinois. He was based out of Chicago. And he was saying that erectile dysfunction is often this canary in a coal mine thing where it's like, yeah, you have that, but it's usually a sign that something else is actually exactly, going bad exactly, yeah. in your body. Yeah. You're Let's have our assistant take a note. Assistant, could you just- Johnny? Wake up. So yeah, so definitely concerning. And as you said, canary in a coal mine for some of these some of these symptoms. So then once you have it, is this the right way to look at it? You Nobody sort of worries too much about their blood pressure until it's high. And is that the wrong approach or is that the only way? Like you can't really cure or treat something if it doesn't exist. Or should you live a life like the way with diabetes, why don't you just manage your sugar your whole life? Why don't you eat like a diabetic so yeah. you never get diabetes, right? Is it a similar thing with high blood pressure? Yeah, let's talk about that because I think it probably is useful to do some of these things. You'll see a lot of these recommendations to help with people who have high blood pressure are recommendations that help with everyone. When we get to that in a second, we'll just talk about medications first and then probably do more of the dietary and lifestyle changes because those are things that people can actually do. You have to go to your doctor if you need this and maybe you, if you have mild, elevated blood pressure like we talked about, like in the 120 and 129 range systolic, 89 diastolic, maybe you just want to look at some of these lifestyle modifications first. But if we skip to the drugs, there's basically lots of different drugs that you can use. Some of them are called thiazide diuretics, which kind of make you pee more. Things called angiotensin converting enzyme inhibitors, ACE inhibitors. I think a lot of people have heard about these. There's also angiotensin receptor blockers. I was going to say they're newer. They were newer when I was in medical school. They're not new now. They've been around for mm. 20 plus years. Calcium channel blockers. And often, and it depends, you know, do you have coexisting heart disease? Do you have coexisting diabetes? Are you from the black population? This may funnel your doctor into prescribing different things. Okay, enough about the drugs that you love to talk about. Let's talk about stuff that, uh, as you said, you know, people can just do at home without seeing a doctor. Yeah, so for sure. And it's very important to do this because you don't want to just do one of these lifestyle modifications. You want to do as many as possible because you have greater results and greater improvement in blood pressure and decreasing your risk of cardiovascular disease. So what do you need to do? Obviously, diet's important. So weight loss. People think for every... 10 kilograms that you lose, you can decrease your blood pressure by 5 to 20 millimeters of mercury. So that's definitely important. Reducing your alcohol intake, 30 mLs of alcohol a day for men or 50 mLs for women and for people of lighter weight. Again, that can just doing that can begin to reduce your blood pressure. Sodium is a big thing. Okay, so sodium is something we talk about a lot. Low salt, no salt, no salt added. A lot of processed foods have salt in them. Is salt an issue if you have low blood pressure? Well, you should probably increase your salt intake if you have, you're supposed to fainting because of a low blood pressure. You know, often teenage females will have that issue. 
we often recommend increasing your salt intake. But if you have high blood pressure, you want to decrease your salt intake. We say about 2.3 to 2.4 grams of sodium per day should be the maximum. And so it means reading labels, making sure that you're not adding salt to food and making sure you're decreasing your intake. You need to make sure your potassium is good, your calcium and magnesium are good. Obviously, stopping smoking is important because of your cardiovascular health and exercise 30 minutes a day for most adults who have hypertension is recommended. There is a special diet called the DASH diet, and DASH stands for Dietary Approaches to Stop Hypertension. It's developed by the uh, National Institutes of Health in the U.S., but it's a pretty logical diet. I think you'll find all the fruits, vegetables, low-fat or fat-free dairy, whole grains, fish, poultry, legumes, nuts. Again, nuts are fine, not salted, right? You go up for the unsalted, and then decrease your sodium overall, decrease sweets, decrease red meats, decrease trans and saturated fats, and increase your fiber, right? The old Mediterranean Mediterranean diet. Yeah, so I don't think it's anything, you know, too novel, but there is scientific evidence that it helps definitely lower your blood pressure. So again, these are all things, and as we were talking about before, a lot of these things we were talking about, that DASH diet, you know, decreasing your red meat, decreasing your alcohol, decreasing your sugar content, this is useful for everything, right? It's going to be useful yeah. for diabetes and heart disease and obesity, right? All these things are, are, I think, logical things that people should be doing. So there's nothing really miraculous in there, right? I think it all makes sense. Would you agree, Ali? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's why I asked the question. It's sort of like, if you live like this beforehand, you probably dramatically yeah. decrease your risk of not just blood pressure or not just your BP, but a whole bunch of things. Now, there's a couple of things that are maybe a bit promising, which I don't know if there's, there's some evidence, but maybe not a ton. So dark chocolate, there's a few randomized trials that say dark chocolate might improve your blood pressure. I agree. Yes, that's true. Ali is a dark chocolate guy. When you do have chocolate, I know you prefer that. I am a doctor of dark chocolate. That's right. Are you? Now, I'm a milk chocolate guy, which most people poo-poo. The only time I have dark chocolate is at Ali's house, because that's all he has. That's all we never buy. I mean, could, we could scrounge up an old Kit Kat or a Reese's Pieces from some corner of a cupboard, yeah, probably, right. yeah, in general. Yeah. No. I think Reese's Pieces have peanut butter. But anyway, so there's some evidence green tea may help to lower blood pressure, but not enough evidence to really recommend that as a treatment, but not a bad idea. I don't think green tea is harmful, so except for maybe the caffeine if you have trouble sleeping. Or except for, I will tell you this, mm. my cousin in the U.S., sorry to our American listeners, I'm not trying to take a jab on, on America, but in, at the same time, in a way, I, I am at, at some level because my cousin had sent me a thank you gift because of you know whatever, we a wedding gift we had given her. Mm-hmm. She wanted mm-hmm. to say thank you. So it, it was like a gift basket from New Mexico where she lives and the number of ingredients in every single thing, you know, one was just sort of toffee, chili toffee Mm -hmm. and had like 65 ingredients in it. One other thing I was like, oh my God, this is like, you know, I'm I'm at a stage of my life where I'm trying to pay attention to ingredients. And then I go, I'll just have the green Mm -hmm. tea. And it was a green tea drink with 11 ingredients in it. It had sugar in it. You're like, just tea. That should be the only ingredient. 
That's all you need. You don't oh, need yeah. milk and green tea. You just need tea leaves. That's all. So yeah, I just something to think about if you you I know you're not everyone's doctor, but you did just semi sort of pseudo recommend green tea, but just make sure it's just the leaves, I think. Right. Two other little bits of trivia before we get out of here. One is that you have to be careful about supplements, over-the-counter medications, or herbal teas, for example, that contain licorice, because licorice will increase your blood pressure. Not necessarily licorice candy, right? That the black jelly beans that everybody hates and throws out. We're talking uh, licorice root, you know, actual licorice that you would get. Can increase your blood pressure. Very important. So doctors will often ask about your, you know, are you eating licorice? So this is one case where the natural stuff is actually not that good for you, right? Because the licorice root will will increase your blood pressure. And the other thing people talk about is, it's not used a lot anymore, is ephedrine or ephedra. Right, people would mm. use that. It was like used for weight loss. It was used by like bodybuilders and yeah, yeah for a but, workout line. But very would... dangerous. It can elevate people's blood pressure to dangerous degrees. And so again, it's not used a lot anymore. It's it, thankfully very hard to get in most places. But you know, we still ask about that. Are you using kind of these supplements? And so we we will ask about that if we're noticing a high blood pressure in someone. So that's basically it for blood pressure. I think the real thing that we talked about before is that it is what's called a silent killer. And it increases your risk so much, so you need to get this monitored. Again, we know there's a problem, at least in in Canada right now, with people not having family doctors. So probably even more important to be monitoring this on your own than if you have a problem, addressing it, use some of these lifestyle modifications. Because again, this is a small thing that people can do that pays big dividends. Sure. The state of the health system should be enough to motivate people to do as much in-house as they can, which includes all those things you recommended. Yeah. It's never been more important to practice preventative medicine for yourself because you don't want to end up in our straight healthcare system. You honestly don't. No, absolutely. Yeah. One thing I want to highlight that you said in in this section uh, that we just covered, Asif, was 7.5 million Canadians estimated have hypertension. And you said that high blood pressure and hypertension causes an estimated 19% of death. So I just wanted to highlight that because I know people play the lottery in the hopes of that 0.0001 chance they might win. This one, you're probably going to win. You got, you, you could really win this lottery. It's a great, great odds for you to win one of the worst lotteries ever. So yeah, I would recommend uh, playing it in the opposite direction. And Asif and I have been having chats about this just also because of what I talked about with my doctor and just tough, you know, summer, huh? beers, hot dogs, gross stuff that's not good for you. Uh, yeah, I have low blood pressure too. Like I, it's never been elevated for me, but that, as you said, Ali, it doesn't mean it's not going to be. We're still relatively young. So there's many, many more years where we can get our blood pressure high. So reach out to us. Let us know what you guys thought about this episode. Tina Turner, what you thought about her, her career, her life, really a legend that we lost a few weeks ago. And as well, let us know about high blood pressure, hypertension. Do you guys have any further questions on it? Again, we had a couple things that we said we'll, we'll try and touch on in future episodes. And even talk about Tina Turner's medical conditions. Many, many things to talk about in future episodes. 
reach out to us, Dr. V Comedian, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Dr. V Comedian at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought. Make sure you guys are rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. And if you could just talk to one person and let them know how much you like the podcast and tell them to give us a listen, see if they like it. Ali, yeah. anything else before we get out of here? I'll be in uh, the north part of Newfoundland mm. in early July, Woody Point Comedy Festival. And then I'll be in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. Never been before. Al Capone used to spend time in Moose Jaw. There was like some underground tunnels during Prohibition era. Wow. You got to check those out when you're there. I'm going to check yeah, those out for good. sure. I'll have something to report closer to the middle of the summer. But otherwise, standupali.com. If anybody wants to know what I'm doing with my life, that you'll find and it And maybe one day I'll get a website of my own. Who knows? Probably not. But remember that although I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. Medical issues we talk about are for your interest and information only. And they're not medical advice. Please consult your medical professionals for actual medical advice. Thanks for listening. Bye. You're simply-